The Defense Department has been steadily increasing the number of contracting dollars it directs to small business. But the number of small businesses it does business with is dropping. For the Government Accountability Office, that indicates a need to better coordinate the department's many efforts to promote small business. We get more from the GAO's Director of Financial Markets and Community Investment Issues, Bill Shear. Bill, good to have you back. Thank you for having me, Tom. And in this report, you found that they basically do a good job, but that there's something disquieting about the fact that more and more small business dollars are going to a smaller roster of small businesses. Tell us what you found and what your interpretation was. There are a number of reasons why there's been an increase in dollars to small businesses in terms of the procurement dollars at the Department of Defense and why there's been a decline in businesses. It's a trend that's been um, present for a number of years uh, involving Department of Defense and other other agencies, but focusing on the Department of Defense. One of the uh, mechanisms that's often associated with a decline in businesses Uh, is category management, uh, which creates certain uh, vehicles where there's uh, called best-in-class contracts. And that actually limits not only the number of competing small businesses, it limits the number of competing large businesses because you have more of a unified structure for making acquisitions. So this is something that's just common and it's part of the Department of Defense. So this is one of the things we observe. But part of what we are examining here is something that is broader than that, which is how can small businesses be better included for serving the needs of the Department of Defense in the industrial defense space? So we're trying to, so basically what the objective is, is to try to bring these various mechanisms uh, within the Department of Defense to try to better integrate small businesses into their strategy. Well, could this be happening? The number of businesses is dropping because of category management, as you say, but that tends to cover commodities. But in the case of defense industrial base for specific, say, platforms, you might outsource the construction of a spindle for a gyroscope to a small business machine shopper, that type of thing. I'm making that one up. Could it be that the number of real defense industrial base core small businesses is not declining, but the overall decline is because of category management for commodity-type products like office equipment. Category management isn't the only reason for the decline. Part of it is the complexities of doing business with the Department of Defense. Uh, So, for example, we we interviewed a number of small businesses that are involved in this space, especially those that are involved in uh, uh, more in technology-type activities. And what they've said is that over time that it has gotten more complicated to meet the requirements of the Department of Defense and that in many cases, these more technologically-based companies can find it easier to do business with the private sector. So so there's things other than category management that, that affect this decline. And let me just take as an example, now we have new uh, Department of Defense has new requirements for cybersecurity. And there's obviously very good reasons for having requirements for cybersecurity, but it is something else 
that increases the cost of many small businesses of doing business with the Department of Defense. So I wouldn't want to focus just on category management, but it would be that there's a number of aspects of doing business with the Department of Defense that can limit the number of small businesses that that are uh, active in this procurement. We're speaking with Bill Shear. He's Director of Financial Markets and Community Investment Issues at the Government Accountability Office. And so the cybersecurity requirements is a lay-on because when you say it's getting more difficult to do business with the Defense Department, at least that's the perception of these businesses, the small businesses, what else has changed? Because the defense supplement to the federal acquisition regulation hasn't changed all that much. In fact, they're using other transaction authority even more, which should make it easier for small businesses. So what else might be going on, do you think? I would still focus on the two major things being category management and some of the requirements. The FAR requirements have not changed, but just the, I think, the use of, it's not just category management, but the, there are other aspects of how contracting is conducted, even if there haven't been changes in the FAR that make it uh, more complicated to do business with the Department of Defense. The one that I can point to that's kind of like a good illustration has to do with cybersecurity. The essence of your report, though, is that DOD needs to better coordinate, I guess, what are scattered efforts across the department concerning small business. And there's a lot of places that have to do with small business because the Pentagon's a very big and complicated place. The Department of Defense, as you say, Tom, is a very complex and large organization. You have a lot of entities involved in procurement and involved in procurement that is focused on small business. And in particular, I'll draw attention to, um, there's an Office of Small Business Programs, uh, one office that reports to the Secretary of Defense. And then the components also have their own offices of small business uh, programs. And they're all involved in trying to reach out, doing matchmaking events and reaching out to try to get small businesses to uh, participate in federal procurement with the Department of Defense. So you have these activities going on, but they're kind of disjointed. And Congress had mandated the Department of Defense a number of years ago to come up with a strategy for the inclusion of small business and there was a strategy that came out of the Department of Defense in 2019, but it didn't really have specific mechanism for getting all these various entities involved. So the objectives of the small business strategy were, one, was implementing a unified management structure uh, because of all the various entities involved uh, in in serving the department and the defense needs of the department uh, in terms of strengthening the uh, defense industrial base. So there had to be a unified management structure. The second was aligning DOD small business activities with national security priorities. So that was the second. 
the idea is, is that it's not just including small businesses, which involves counting dollars towards certain goals that are part of the Small Business Act provisions. It isn't just reaching out and trying to increase small business activity. It's actually trying to use small businesses to better serve national security priorities. And the third objective? And so then the third objective is to strengthen DOD's ability to support the warfighter and serve small businesses at the same time. So it's trying to bring together all these different activities into a more unified, a coherent structure where you have collaboration and monitoring that goes on that creates some consistency in trying to use small businesses and to try to use, in particular, small businesses that are more involved in innovation into the procurement activities at the Department of Defense. So this is largely what we focused on in in our evaluation of DOD. And looking at the fact that the different components all have their small business programs, that could be a big clue there because to a small business, if doing business is slightly different between the Navy, the Air Force, and the Army, and now Space Command or whatever, all these different components, and whatever might be coming from the fourth estate, then that would really make it complicated even if there is a uniform DFAR, these variations among the components. And that's exactly part of the point. So there's a lot of activity going on, lead to increased contract dollars going to small businesses. But the idea is that there there isn't something that's unifying this effort to try to really integrate small businesses into the overall strategy and aligning the strategy with national security priorities. So the plan is laid out. They've stated it and you've reiterated it. Where are they falling short? There's a lack of a plan for implementing the small business strategy. So there's a strategy that's begging for a plan to implement it. And what we found is that the lead entity here is the Office of Small Business Programs that reports to this secretary. And that office went over a number of years from about 13 staff members down to four. And you had a lot of turnover at the director level of that office. And so there there wasn't consistent leadership. So it's a staffing and resources type of issue and a leadership issue in that office. Another thing that created a problem in coming up with a plan to implement the strategy was just the impacts of the pandemic. It's just harder to manage all these different components and these different offices within DOD in a virtual environment. So those were among the things that contributed to the inability to come up with a plan for implementing the strategy. All right, then I guess we can infer what your recommendations were. The recommendations are pretty straightforward based on that. So uh, the first recommendation was that the director of the Office of Small Business Programs should develop and submit an implementation plan for DOD's small business strategy. So it has now been made a requirement where now there is a statutory requirement that reinforces this recommendation we made. The second recommendation is that director of DOD's Office of Small Business Programs should develop a policy to guide the implementation of a unified management structure as part of the small business strategy. So it is trying to just 
come up with how do you create this unified management structure and get it all collaborating and coordinating with each other. And then the third is, again, the director of DOD's Office of Small Business Programs should establish a formal process for monitoring and reporting on DOD's progress in implementing a small business strategy, because this is just a good practice whenever you're setting up a strategy, which is to kind of come up with timelines. And many times people refer to something as simple as project plans for how you bring it about. So these are really, they're pretty basic and straightforward recommendations to address what is really needed to successfully implement this small business strategy. And DOD leadership generally agreed with you? Yes, there is agreement. We've we've really established, I think, a very constructive relationship with the director who's come in with the current administration, the director of the Office of Small Business Programs. And he's certainly trying very hard to create an environment where these recommendations can be implemented. Bill Shear is director of financial markets and community investment issues at the Government Accountability Office. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. We'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, 
the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. 
And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.